This episode is brought to you by Eastern Bank, the largest commercial bank headquartered in Massachusetts, with more than two centuries of service to the various communities it serves. Eastern supports investing in people and places that are poised to make a difference, doing good things to help people prosper. To learn more about Eastern Bank, please visit easternbank.com. That's easternbank.com. Hi, I'm Juliet Mayers. Welcome to Entering the Inspiration Zone with Juliet Mayers, a podcast for business professionals and entrepreneurs seeking positive connection and professional development. As an accomplished author, speaker, DEI strategist, and member of Forbes Coaches Council, I am living the dream, and I love helping others achieve their dreams. Each episode, I will share with you actionable steps that you can take to build the work and life you've imagined. Welcome to Entering the Inspiration Zone. I am so excited to welcome Betty Francisco this morning. Betty, welcome. Thanks so much, Julie. It's great to be here today. Wonderful to have you. Betty Francisco is a business executive, impact investor, and community leader. She's known as a powerful convener and change maker, unapologetic about creating visibility for Latinx and people of color leaders. In 2022, the Boston Business Journal named Betty as one of the Power 50, Extraordinary Year, Extraordinary People, and Boston Magazine named her as one of the 100 most influential people in Boston. Betty is currently the CEO of Boston Impact Initiative, a social impact investment fund that invests to close the racial wealth divide in Massachusetts. Welcome, Betty. So great to have you here. It's great to be here today, Julia. Yeah, of course, Betty. One of the things that came to mind as I was preparing for this is the fact that one of the other things that you're known for, and the list is so long because you do such phenomenal work. I remember when you invited me as a speaker for your, what you were then calling cafecitos. Did the I say that right? Those leadership breakfast. Yes, yes, yes. yes, part yes, of yes. Circle. Yes, yes. And just amazed at how much you've accomplished and the contribution that you've been making to the community. As you know, Betty, one of the first places I like to start with my podcast guests are really helping our listeners understand who is Betty Francisco. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, so much of my work and what I love doing today is rooted in my identity and how I grew up. So I'll share a little bit about my story. So I was born in New York City. My mom is from Puerto Rico, from Añasco, and my father is from Taiwan. They met in New York. So I label myself as a Chino Rican because <laughs> of being from New York and being Chinese Puerto Rican. Yeah. And I toggled between New York and Puerto Rico growing up. My parents separated when I was young. And one of the things that rooted me in what I identify as being Latina, more Latina, because I didn't learn so much about my Asian culture, was my mother instilling in me this intense sense of pride, right, for my language, for my culture, for our Latino traditions. 
And the same, my family in Puerto Rico being very persistent around always honoring your ancestors, whether they were current or past and always staying true to who you are. So growing up, I ended up um, studying until I was in fifth grade in Puerto Rico and then back in New York, where I then had the chance to learn art. And I ended up going to the High School of Music and Art. And it's honestly what changed my trajectory. So it's the fate, you know, for those of us who are old enough, it's the fame school, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, the one where it brought dance, drama, music, art together under one roof. And it was an amazing experience to be there. And honestly, one that transformed my trajectory, because when I came back to New York, my mom wasn't able to work steady jobs. She suffered from depression and anxiety. So we often relied on public benefits. We lived in public housing. I mean, I didn't think I was poor at the time, but now when I look back, right, I I was poor. And so being able to navigate out of those spaces, right, was something that my mother kept instilling in me around you, you, the way you get out is through education, mm-hmm. it's through hard work, it's through giving back, right? She was very generous with the tiny little bit that she had. These values that now I look back on I and I say to myself, wow, that's actually so culturally relevant, right? It's mm-hmm. what drives the Latino community right now. Fast forward, I went to music and art. That set me up to go to Bard College where I studied history and that got me interested in law. I decided that I wanted to do, you know, drive, you know, I thought I was a dreamer, right? Thinking about, hey, I wanna create policy change. I wanna be a lawyer. I wanna change our laws. I was very progressive at the time, you know, around how we could drive change. And so I ended up going to law school. Wow. Here in Massachusetts at Northeastern. And the minute I got to law school, I think it was the second day, I saw a sign that said, get your JD MBA. And never did I think that I would study business or economics, but that sign resonated with me because a professor in college had said to me, Betty, the way you can actually create change in the world is not through law, but it's gonna be through business, is by creating jobs for your community being an employer, supporting folks with good wages, right? That's the way you, and Mm -hmm. and growing your business, right? That's the way you actually can create change because business is the driving factor in our economy. And I was like, no, 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 that's capitalist. I don't want to do that, no way. But the opportunity to study law and business Mm -hmm. together at the same time was really interesting when I saw that. And so I got my JD MBA, I ended up studying both. I graduated, went to work for a law firm here in Boston, one of the large law firms, doing work for large corporations, venture capital, mergers and acquisitions. So I ended up working for one of the large law firms here in Boston called Palmer and Dodge, representing large corporations, venture investors, angel investors. So a lot of the work I started to do was supporting businesses with gaining access to capital. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these were big transactions, you know, in the millions and billions of dollars. And it got me interested in was how companies get funded, who Mm -hmm. gets invested in. And in my eight years at a law firm, I will tell you that there was only one business that I was involved in that was led by a woman 
and none by a person of color. Wow. So it showed, right, the just absolute lack of representation in those larger businesses, right, that get venture capital funding or even go public. It was always ingrained in my mind, how do I become part of that in order to change it? Mm-hmm. How can I go into investing or venture capital? So I worked after that at a sports club chain called Sports Club LA and Reebok Sports right. Club New York as a general counsel. And that's when I started the Cafecito series with Aneda Roman, because as, as a rising lawyer, I got into a level of success. I was mentoring a lot of young lawyers, other Latinas, and I wanted to continue to give back. But I always was also thinking about me, right? Who was mentoring me, who was Mm -hmm. championing me and felt like there was a gap there and the need to create a network that could support mentoring and championing at all those levels. Yeah. And so that's what led to the Latina Circle initiative that you were a part of. Yeah. That was an amazing experience, uh, even, and I know that was what I consider my early days of getting to know Betty, <laughs> getting to know you. And I just thought the fact that you were using your social capital to help others is something that was attractive to me. And of course, something we also have in common is I, I went to Northeastern, not for law, for business, <laughs> uh, undergrad. And even though you were born in Port, I'm sorry, New York, So I totally understand and get where you come from, because a lot of that is aligned with where I came from uh, as an immigrant from Barbados and having the bicultural experience. And I think it's also what helps to contribute to the person that you are today and probably helps to drive why you're so effective at the work that you do. So thank you for sharing your story. I think it's a powerful one. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we move on? I didn't want to. To the point about being multicultural, and I don't know if you've ever felt this way, Juliet, but sometimes difficult because you never feel like you quite belong in any one space, <laughs> right? So yeah. uh, in Puerto Rico, because I, and even with our Latino yeah. community, I look Asian to them. Yeah. So yeah. they call me Chinita, right? Uh-huh. And they, sometimes they get shocked when I speak Spanish. <laughs> so I feel so aligned and I as Latina, but I don't look it. So I'm not yeah. totally accepted. And then I'm yeah. definitely not accepted in the Asian community because there you have to grow up in it. You have to know yeah. the traditions. And the fact yeah. that I don't even know the language is this total <laughs> affront to my ancestors. Right? <laughs> so, so I never quite feel like I'm a part of anyone. And the, yeah. but the benefit of that, yeah. because... I can be perceived as an outsider is I actually can be the fly on the wall. Yeah. I can navigate so many different spaces and I got really good at code switching because right. of that. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, another thing that we share because, you know, as an immigrant from the island of Barbados, I, I grew up most of my life in this country. I've been in the U.S. a lot longer than I have been in Barbados. And it's sort of, of course, Barbadians call me a Bayesian Yankee, right? Meaning you're... Oh my you know, <laughs> <laughs> now, that can be offensive on so many levels. However, it's the reality and it's not intended to be. But, you know, it's sort of like, OK, you're not truly, truly 100 percent Barbadian, although I was right. born there. And the same thing. Right. And in the U.S., it's like, well, you're a West Indian. Right. And so you're straddling a lot of different worlds. And quite frankly, I think that it is a testament to the work that we do, that we've been able to harness all of the different intersecting identities of who we are 
to help to move others forward. So, so I, I hear you, sister. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. It's our superpower, right? <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk about building impact. Of course, uh, we're so far into the podcast and I haven't even said what we're here talking about, right? <laughs> but it'll be on the, uh, the title so people will see it. Building a legacy through impact. And that's a little bit of a play, right? In terms of because you're the CEO of Boston Impact Initiative, and you're also helping to build impact in terms of the work that you're doing in the community. Have you talk a little bit about what your, what I call your sort of day job is for Boston Impact Initiative? Because I think it's so important in terms of the work you're doing to try to help to close that racial wealth gap. Absolutely. So I got the benefit of joining BII last year in 2021. And part of it was a culmination of a lot of the work I've been doing for the last couple of years, supporting small businesses owned by people of color, but also my entry into investing and impact investing specifically. I was on the investment committee for Boston Impact. It is a social impact fund that's structured as a nonprofit charitable loan fund. And the focus is on investing in entrepreneurs of color, entrepreneurs that support communities of color in order to close the racial wealth divide. What makes BII unique is that we use the whole spectrum of capital. So we call that integrated capital. It's both the use of all the tools in the toolbox from grants, debt, equity, in terms of how we invest in businesses, we meet them where they are and we structure our transactions to meet their particular capital needs rather than trying to promote a particular financial product. So it's the capital part. And then it's also the really important additional pieces that businesses need to grow it's social capital. Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, that's the connections. That's the, you know, the folks that are going to get help you get access to additional resources, to contracts, and even to additional funding. It's the knowledge capital, right? Teaching businesses how to really understand the drivers, their revenue, and how they can continue to grow in in their enterprise with a particular focus on how do they create impactful ventures that are creating really good jobs, wages, and great benefits. We want them to maintain as much ownership as possible because we're trying to build wealth in communities of color. We look at decision-making, who gets to make decisions. We like democratic decision-making structures like employee-owned businesses and cooperatives, unionized businesses. And now more and more climate resilience is so important, right? We have all these goals as a country and as a state to get to net zero. So now more and more businesses are gonna have to integrate environmental practices and adopt clean energy in order to get there. So we're looking to both support through capital but also through knowledge, social, and political capital, their growth and sustainability in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Remiss if I didn't say part of why I joined is because I have this dream for a long time to start Mm -hmm. a fund. One thing is to invest individually, which is something I was doing as an angel investor, right? Supporting women-owned as well as companies owned by people of color. But my individual check is not enough 
mm-hmm. typically, right, to really support a business. And I wanted to be part of creating a fund that could support what we call catalytic capital and to put it in the hands of our entrepreneurs that are the most underinvested in, right? Mm-hmm. Our black, Latino, Asian right. entrepreneurs that pick, typically can't get access to traditional forms of capital. And right. that is exactly what Boston Impact Initiative does. BII yeah. is well known for being an economic justice, racial equity focused investor in Eastern Massachusetts area. So we just launched our second fund. Part of why I came to BII was to help shape fund number two. Mm-hmm. And it doubles down on our mission to close the racial wealth divide. And now with a particular focus on entrepreneurs of color that are building highly impactful ventures that, that have climate resilience, that are growing democratic decision-making, and also now with in community-owned and controlled real estate that prevents displacement. Uh, diverse communities are experiencing displacement, right. whether it's businesses or residents, and there are these innovative models of financing real estate that allow for community, for residents to mm-hmm. have an opportunity to own, and we want to seed those innovative models. Yeah, I, I think that is so, so, so important, and you are absolutely helping to meet a very important what I oh, I think of as a missing piece of the puzzle, right, that has existed for so long. And I'm curious, you, you mentioned the word dream, right, your dream of starting a fund. And not sure if you know, Betty, but that my whole success framework, Dream, Plan, Create, Achieve, is one of the basis of this podcast. Oftentimes, when people have those dreams or have a dream, getting, it's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing to actually be able to line up the resources, the capital, the influencers and so forth to help to make that dream a reality. So one of the things that I think of when I think of your work, and I know the things that you do for people is the whole notion of allyship. And I'm wondering if it's something that I want to make sure that we are sort of defining it within the context of the conversation we're having, but how do you define allyship? So it's a couple of ways. The way that I often think of it is the folks that have privilege and influence, which tends to be our white males, right? And, and even some women in positions of power, but the folks that have that kind of influence and power being supportive of those who don't. The way that showed up for me is both personal, folks that help me in my career either get access to a decision maker that could help me get a job or somebody that could open a door for funding or donation for a nonprofit that I was supporting. These are folks that are leveraging their political and social capital for me personally, for the things that I love and care about. So that's one way it shows up. But it also shows up in systems, right? So in 2020, during the pandemic, I started getting involved in a lot of coalition work to advocate for funding or policy change that could directly support more businesses owned by people of color that weren't getting access right to the covid relief as an example Mm -hmm. and what i saw was this 
tremendous, you know, outpouring of support, right, from <laughs> our, our, our white colleagues, um, who wanted to be in coalition, right, with a lot of the groups that were supporting people of color. So at the time, I was representing Amplify Latinx, which mm -hmm. is the, the offshoot of Latina Circle. And that group began to do a lot of work to support businesses directly. Our allies became a lot of the chambers, right? Like AIM or the Greater Boston Chamber that now took interest in our work and said, hey, this is how you can support Latino-owned businesses, connect mm -hmm. with Amplify Latinx. So that is a form of allyship and yeah. championing. But the other way that it showed up was also with our Black community. So BECMA, the Black Economic Council, as an example too, and Amplify began to advocate together for mm -hmm. policy change. Yeah. And I would say that allyship doesn't always have to come from people in privilege, but it can also come from organizations that are in deep alignment on our values and goals. So it's mm -hmm. that shared purpose around building economic power, political power in our commonwealth that also brought us together as allies. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a very, very excellent point, because I think when people think of allyship, oftentimes it is one person helping to be an ally for another individual. And what you've just described is the importance of our institutions and coalitions and groups also playing an active role in helping to change systems and structures in a broader way. So I, I find that to be very powerful. So Betty, we are actually coming to the close of our time soon. It's time is going by so quickly. And I want you to just be ready to let our listeners, listeners know how they can contact you. But I want to go back and summarize our conversation, or at least my key takeaways, what I, I, I call them my making it real <laughs> examples from conversations that I have the privilege of having with leaders such as yourself. And, and what I heard you say, well, in addition to the very powerful one that you just stated in terms of the importance of systems and groups and so forth, playing more of an ally role, allyship role in a broader context, not just individuals doing it. And I also heard you say earlier on that you had a dream and one that you acted upon that then became a reality through your participation and active engagement in, with these various groups. You also mentioned networks and using social capital, all things that are so important for both us as individuals and also as groups. And as you know, networking is one that's near and dear to my heart, uh, given my two books on the topic. And I do think it's important to underscore how important those relationships that you both you have built and are now leveraging uh, on behalf of others is so important for all of us, both as individuals and in the work that we do. Also was very much struck by your, your story, which is so in alignment with my own. Taking something that could have been perceived as a negative for others, right? Growing up in poverty and really flipping that on its head and using those intersecting identities that you have and that 
we all have in many ways to be able to draw from that, to be able to support others and to do meaningful work in the world. So I want to thank you for all that you're doing and continue to do. I'm sure this is certainly not the last conversation we're going to have, but I want to, to highlight those things because I think they're so important and so, and we're very fortunate to have you in our community and as a leader who lives her values. So tell our listeners how they can contact you. The best way to reach me is through LinkedIn, through my handle is Betty Francisco. And I tend to post a lot. Please like and share and comment on my posts, which run the gamut from uh, topics related to the racial wealth gap to women's leadership or the importance of creating more influence for our Black and Latino community as we continue to grow and build power in both the Commonwealth and in the United States. Terrific. And lastly, is there anything that we have not talked about or highlighted that you really are like, you know what, I wish I had opportunity to, to say X? Well, one of the things that I think is important to highlight, especially when we talk about influence and leaving a legacy, is one of the things that I'm doing now, transitioning from being a lawyer to now a fund manager, is really important for our youth to see that their career paths that are non-traditional. Like we always hear lawyer, doctor, the traditional positions that our immigrant parents said, those are the ones you must go into. But they never quite say, you should go be a fund manager. <laughs> like what is that even Because like? they probably don't even know what it is, because right? Because they when don't we know because up. they didn't have the money, right? <laughs> right, to, right. To, to, to say like, yes, you should be managing right. capital. Right? right. So I think it's really important to create a face to this, right? And mm -hmm. it looks different depending on which side of the capital spectrum you're on, right? So I'm on the community capital side because of the way we invest. We're able to do debt, we're able to do equity. I'm in this wonderful middle place where I get to play with both our community investors, our CDFI community, and I get to play with our venture capital friends at the same time. Yeah, Some yeah. of our companies go on to raise venture funding. And yeah. I think it's really important to be able to straddle those multiple spaces and then be an advocate for this as a career path, right? Because Excellent. today only 5% fund managers are people of color. Wow. So, so in order to move, right, to move that needle around who gets capital, who gets invested in our black, Latino, Asian businesses, but also women owned, right. um, LGBTQ owned businesses, we have to have representation at all levels of mm -hmm. the capital access stack. And then that's what also creates the pathway towards these leadership roles, right? right. Towards commissions, right. political positions as well. And so this is why I wanna keep highlighting a role that not many people in our community know about, right? right. Like being a fund manager and managing capital and being a person of color doing it. Right. Doing it in a way that's around creating, you know, a more sustainable, inclusive and equitable economy for our generations to come. Love that. I love that. And at the end of the day, as we like to say, representation matters. Thank you again for the work that you do. Thank you for joining me here on Entering the Inspiration Zone. 
and we'll look to forward to more conversations in the future. Thanks, Julia. Thank you for joining us on Entering the Inspiration Zone. Until next time, we would love to hear from you. So if you'd like to join our mailing list, please send an email to info at inspirationzonellc.com. That's info at inspirationzonellc.com. And be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Thank you and have a fabulous day.